0: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre recorded. In 2021, American Media proudly presents to the Philadelphia region and beyond Voices of Faith, the radio show. In recognition of those among us, supporters in life, and the many providers of inspiration we encounter all year long, American Media is your destination and resource for the editorial content of Thinking Catholics. Here's Chief Operating Officer of American Media, Trog Keller.
1: In a world that is incredibly divided, right, whether politically or even within our own church, to provide a place where different points of view can come and talk in a civilized tone, and people can see different points of view and discern for themselves the direction you know that they want to take, or or just to make themselves feel closer to God through through just just good honest dialogue.
0: Join Trog along with millions of supporters who are part of the America Media family and help others you may or may not know do the unexpected. America Media. Find your inspiration at AmericaMagazine.org. Magazine.org.
2: Let us remember we are in the holy presence of God. With these words, the day begins for about a million students worldwide, accompanied by 100,000 teachers and staff members. The reminder is repeated throughout the day as every class and most extracurricular or athletic activities begin. For those who study, teach, and work, in the more than 1,000 educational institutions bringing the vision of St. John Baptist de La Salle, a 17th century French priest and educational pioneer to 80 different countries. This invocation is not an invitation to alter our state of mind. For us, it is simply a reminder that God's presence surrounds us in the people and events of our daily lives. This is Brother James Butler, the president of La College High School, conducted since 1858 by the religious community and lay partners living the legacy of De La Salle into the 21st century. This heritage includes seeing all things with the eyes of faith and informing all our actions with that same spirit. In that spirit are 1,075 young men are guided each day by teachers who see their work not as a career, but as a ministry of grace, a participation in God's saving work. An explicit focus on teaching as a vocation creates a community which invites students to experience a brotherhood that animates how we treat each other and how we serve those beyond our Winmore campus. St. LaSalle tells his followers, that touching the hearts of our students and inspiring them with the Christian spirit is the greatest miracle we can perform. In working with our students each day, we at LaSalle College High School expect not only progress, but miracles. Jacob
3: Media Partners invites you to spend an hour of your day celebrating your faith.
4: We acquire a fundamental right that can never be taken away from us the right to hope.
5: In collaboration with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the Catholic business leaders of the Delaware Valley, including LaSalle University, First Trust Bank, and todayisagoodday.org. Learn from your leaders, be inspired by your neighbors, and find the power of grace in your life when you need it most. The Spiritual. Voices of Faith begins
3: right now.
6: There are so many stories I could tell from this exhausting year. But some stick out more than others, and this I will never forget. When I was working in ICU, taking care of COVID patients, I had a middle-aged man that I really connected with. His name was Tom, and all the nurses in ICU loved him and his funny and charming personality. We watched every day as Tom grew more and more tired as this virus took over him. He went from high-flow nasal cannula to BiPAP and eventually intubation with ventilator support. The day he was intubated prior to sedation, Tom said to us, Don't let me die. Please don't let me die. We told him we would do everything in our power to keep that from happening. Even when Tom was no longer coherent on sedation, I had full conversations with him like I always did. Tom's kidneys started to fail, as many of the COVID ICU patients do, and dialysis was not enough to save him. The family understood that their beloved Tom was not going to make it and agreed to withdraw care and let Joe be with God. Their beloved Tom was not going to make it and agreed to withdraw care and let Tom be with God. I took care of Tom that day, and I will never forget it. I stood in the room, fully gowned, double-gloved, N95, face shield and all, and held the phone as each family member FaceTimed with Tom to tell stories, laugh, cry, and reminisce one last time. I listened to each of his children, who were my age, sob over the fact that they couldn't see their father whom they loved so dearly, I stayed in the room with Tom on FaceTime for an hour or more, holding his hand, patting the sweat off his forehead, making him as presentable as I could so the final memories of him to his family could be the best I could make them. As I did this, I tried to keep a brave face, wiping my shield with a paper towel because it was fogging up so much from the tears rolling down my face. I ignored the sweat dripping down my back from being in the hot room for so long. I ignored the fact that I knew in that moment I would never forget this time in my life and the impact it has left on me and so many others. Because right now it was about Tom and his family and the closure they all needed. This is just one example of the lengths we went to during this awful pandemic. I watch so many of these patients suffer, and the least we can do is help them pass with grace and dignity. Putting my emotions aside every day has been extremely taxing on myself and my fellow colleagues' mental state. But we are nowhere near done fighting for these patients and their loved ones. We will continue to be brave through this pandemic, and we will do this together.
3: Powerful, powerful words, Jimmy Brown, and an incredible way to start this edition of Voices of Faith as we come to you and we come to the Philadelphia region on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Well,
5: Joe, um, as you know, our history on this uh, on this gathering um, today uh, is tracked to Tim Abel and his uh, his. Uh, passionate uh, um, feelings about the letter that we heard at the start of the show. And I think there are many unsung heroes in our world today. And my goodness, uh, the good sisters that we're with this afternoon um, having this conversation are just the epitome of that kind of
3: work. You're going to hear a lot of voices on this edition of Voices of Faith as we deliver this 60-minute program. We invite everyone to settle in and use theater of the mind, if you will, to process what is going to be... A great, great conversation. Quick tease for the listening audience also, Jimmy Brown. Your one-on-one conversation with Archbishop Perez. Tell us about it.
5: Well, Joe, that, that one-on-one never disappoints. And I think that there's a common thread here in our, in our conversation this afternoon. His humility strikes
3: me, Joe. It's what gets us uh, off the ground and headed to the moon. This is Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT back in a moment.
0: Thanks for listening to our 2021 Message of Hope on Voices of Faith, presented in part by Givnish Funeral Homes, LaSalle University, First Trust Bank, 6ABC, and our good friends, Angelo Valletta and Eustace Mita. In 2021, 6ABC joins the Philadelphia region in recognizing those community supporters, volunteers, and providers of inspiration all year long as part of this radio special. Here's 6ABC personality, Brian Taft. The thing that will live with me forever is watching the Pope mobile go by a throng of people in a crowd none of whom know each other and our camera zoomed in and i watched a mother in the back of that group literally hand her baby up front over the top of the crowd to a stranger in the front so that the pope could bless this child and that act of trust and faith and love that happened in that moment was so powerful that I remember saying on the air, I remember saying this is a gift that we in the city of Philadelphia have to spend a long time unpacking. Join Brian along with the entire Action News family and help others do the unexpected. 6ABC, 50 years strong.
7: There's never been a bigger need for Philly Food Rescue. Their mission is to eliminate hunger in our community through a technology-based volunteer network. They rescue surplus food from partners like grocery stores and restaurants and deliver it to people in need. The Philly Food Rescue app makes it easy for everyday food rescue heroes to pick up food and deliver it to nonprofits, schools, and more. Each month, thousands of pounds of unused food are rescued and given to the hungry. Learn more at phillyfoodrescue.org. The Catholic Foundation of Greater Philadelphia is your go-to resource for Catholic philanthropy, an independent nonprofit working to grow philanthropy according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Their foundation is grounded in the principles of faith and service. CFGP meets the diverse needs of donors and Catholic institutions alike by providing a full range of expert fund management, fundraising, and development services that help secure bright futures for the Catholic ministries you care about. Steward your philanthropy As you intend or raise the funds needed to help your ministry grow and thrive. Both services work together to secure a future for faith and that future starts with you. The Catholic Foundation of Greater Philadelphia will help you fulfill your charitable purpose because at the heart of charity is love. Learn more about how the Catholic Foundation of Greater Philadelphia can guide you. Visit thecfgp.org or call 215-587-5650.
3: And back here on Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, a little bit later on in the program. Dan Selecki will be along with his inspirational message. Now, let's begin, Jimmy Brown, with what will be a very, very powerful edition of Voices of Faith.
5: Right on, Joe. I'm going to jump right in because we're trying to manage time efficiently here this afternoon. We're with two distinguished guests. Um, The ladies that we'll be hearing from uh, this afternoon are both um, uh, Redeemer Sisters, uh, Sister Anne-Marie and Sister Anna. And if you wouldn't mind, Sister Anne-Marie, could you tell our listening audience a little bit about your background? Just, you know, quick uh, overview where you went to school and so forth and so on because you're a local young lady and it's kind of cool to tell our listening audience uh, we've got some greatness born right here in our own region.
8: Thank you, Jimmy. I like that young lady. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I'll take that. So I just uh, first want to say thank you so much for this invitation because it's beautiful to be able to come together and be recorded even in the comfort of our home but for the purpose of proclaiming the beauty of God among us, the beauty of God within us, and to not be afraid to do that. And there are a lot of places throughout the world where people can't talk about God and people can't talk about Jesus. And this is the mission of who we are, and this is the mission of this moment on the radio, so thank you. So I am uh, Sister Anne-Marie, and I am local. I grew up in the Tycone section of Philadelphia, St. Leo's Parish. I went to St. Hubert's High School. I had a little bit of um, a, a opportunity to study at LaSalle, but did my undergraduate in music performance at Chestnut Hill College, and then I went on to the University of Pennsylvania for uh, my master's in bioethics, and that was a great privilege.
5: And yeah, that's a that's a that's a wonderful start to the journey. Just for curiosity purposes, can you tell our listening audience when did you know about your vocation? Did you have an indication in high school, college, grade school?
8: Yes, I did very early on, and it's different for everyone. For some people, it's in grade school, high school, even sometimes after they've been married and perhaps their spouse has died, um, or they have an annulment to a marriage. But for me, it was very early on. I really remember, uh, actually, the night before I turned five, being very aware that Jesus was special in my life. I had I started kindergarten early at four, so I had a beautiful kindergarten sister, a sister of St. Joseph, Sister St. Mary Magdalene, and she inspired me early, early on. And I think I also just had a sensitivity to uh, God's presence in nature that uh, touched my heart at a young age. And it was for me, the call was heard at a young age and just never left me. It grew with depth, of course, but it never left. Well, it's interesting, Sister, in in earlier conversations,
5: we talked about not only your connections with the vocation, but others as well. And Sister Anna gives us a chance to turn to you for a moment and hear a little bit about your history. You just heard Sister anne talk about uh, she found the beauty in nature, and you run a, a farming operation up mm-hmm. here. And uh, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your history and then your um, your, your your passion mm-hmm. for for the farm.
6: Sure. Thank you very much, Jim. It's good to be here with you and Sister anne today. Yes, I grew up in Northern California, um, and nature was just a part of my life. We grew up very simply. Um, my mom and dad, for some reason, had you know made choices, no TV, no dryer, no dishwasher, so everything was hands-on, and uh, a lot of it was just being outside in nature. So I grew up in a very small rural town, so there were no Catholic high schools, no Catholic elementary schools. Um, so my introduction to faith was really through my parents, through our little parish, through Sunday schools, we called it then. Um, and that faith was just a part of life and deepened as I went through high school. And it was towards the end of high school where I really began that questioning, what does God um, want of me or desire for me? So really beginning to think about religious life and not exactly knowing where that came from. So I always say the Holy Spirit was very much involved with that. And my experience of God was definitely a creator God. And I've only come to know this more fully as now I'm have the gift and the privilege to be involved in our, I guess we call it our care for creation ministry, our, our farming ministry, which began very, very simply for me, um, But our congregation has just a long history of being very connected with the earth. And when our sisters first started here um, in the early um, 1920s, you know, it was with farming and they had animals and uh, fields of farming to provide for their needs and the needs of those they cared for. Um, so I heard those stories, and it touched deep within me.
5: I love it. It's interesting, because in my conversations with Sister Anne-Marie, we talked about the different personalities. I know there are 14 sisters on location here mm-hmm. doing God's work, let's say. But uh, Sister Emery, I'm going to read a couple things to you, and I kind of want you to just talk about this in conjunction with your vocation and, of course, the vocation of all the ladies that are serving. Um, the quote that I love is, there is power in open arms, hearts, minds... My Holy Redeemer walk has taught me this and much, much more. Mm -hmm. Can you give us, our listening audience, a a context around that?
8: Yes. So, we are, at this moment, 14 sisters, but we say 14 strong. Mm -hmm. So, perhaps for other congregations, if they were the number of 14 in their province, that would be uh, intimidating. But we've never been big. Congregationally, we're a little bit less than 300 And here in this province, the 14 span um, from our youngest sisters to our oldest, and we are as different as uh, vegetables in a garden, right, Sister Anna, (laughs) with the different gifts and different, uh, just God's own manifestation in each sister is unique and beautiful. And something that's been a joy for us is that sisters are enabled to use their own God-given gifts to uh, to be a part of the mission and charism and spirituality that we live out of. Uh, it, we're not all teachers, we're not all nurses, we're not all just one thing, um, except to be a healing and hope filled presence for those we serve. And that can take a lot of different forms.
5: Well, it's, what's impressive to me, Sister Anne, is, um, is like the healthcare system, for example, 4,500 employees. How many families are touched? We heard at the beginning of the show a nurse who's doing, I'll say, God's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell by that note her passion. 4,500 employees. How many patients? How many families? We're talking about millions of millions. lives. Millions of lives touched. Talk about, do you ever reflect? I know that you and the other sisters serving are are very humble around the work that you do. But for this moment, have you ever reflected on the impact you've had on the community?
8: Yes, <laughs> yeah. You know, I would say yes, um, it, it's God's work. It's just totally miraculous that we, as I say, we've never been big, have had such an impact, but but who we are um, has a lot to do with what our charism and spirituality is. and it's it was given to us through our founder, Blessed Alphonse Maria Eppinger. It was the spirit's gift to Blessed Alphonse Maria to the sisters, but we don't own it. It is such a part of everything that flows through the ministry of Redeemer. Our congregation was named to honor the Redeemer, so anywhere we see the name of Redeemer uh, that has to do with our ministries has a direct connection back to our founder, who experienced really God asking her to begin a congregation in honor of the Redeemer.
5: It's fascinating to me, though, sister. Like oftentimes, I think folks in the general public look at the service work that maybe various um, um, sisters who serve do, but do they really understand the leadership capacity that you all have brought to the party? I mean, when I look at your resume and I see, you know, all the boards that you serve on, the strategic thought process you bring to a to a to a particular issue or complex issues, it's stunning um and i know here again i know that you want to take a what would you call it a a more humble path but for purposes of our listening audience and educating them just for them to understand not just you but the other sisters serving up here the the incredibly powerful work that's being done in in this region on your behalf
8: that's right So, at this time, the sisters, along with Laity, who have been prepared for Catholic health care ministry, provide the oversight for the Catholic identity of our Redeemer health system. And uh, yes, the sisters are a part of that. We share right in the formative process with the laity. And they do say that we inspire them, but we say right back to them, you know, they are our inspiration. So, it's never just about us. It never was just about us from the time—and it's almost 100 years—in 2024, our sisters will be here 100 years in America. But from the first time they put their foot on the ground, they were involved and in relationship with others than themselves because they depended on the gifts of others, and that has really uh, been, I think, key to our growth. And Sister
5: Anna, just to reflect where how you entered this particular um, this particular service area, did you look at other uh, places mm-hmm. where you might have applied your talents, and what drove you to this particular order?
6: Well, oh, thank you. Yes. Um, at that point in my life, I had gone to school for occupational therapy, so definitely I had a desire to be involved in healthcare. So I did consider other congregations in this area who were doing healthcare ministries. Um, this was the only congregation I visited um, after you know knowing about talking with. I visited here and I felt at home. I think this is a word that many of us have shared. We're here because we felt at home. There was a special connection. And only since then did I learn more about the charism and the history and it continued to connect for me. So what drew me in the beginning has only flourished and has led me in certainly other directions, but that one piece, that what we call the charism is what connected and sometimes we don't know that right away.
5: I love it. And, you know, we're going to take a break in a moment here, but if you could just kind of close with um, a little bit of a story maybe about your family history. Did you have siblings?
6: Oh, yes. I have one sister. She's a year younger than I am, so it was the two of us growing up, my parents. Um, very simple, like I said. My sister now actually lives in New Jersey. She came back to the, the East Coast Um My family roots are here in the East Coast, so my grandmother is a huge reason why I'm here. She still lives up the road at 94 years of age and let me come live with her after high school as I discerned, you know, what is God calling me to? She gave me a place to stay. I volunteered at the Holy Redeemer Hospital and, you know, God really was working. And we don't, again, know that until we look back.
5: That's so great. So on the other side of our break, we can dig in a little further, but I love where we're
3: at in our conversation. Thank you for your time thus far, ladies. Thank Thank you you, too. This is Voices of Faith on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD.
0: Portions of our 2021 Message of Hope on Voices of Faith are being presented by Mike Cleary of TAC Benefits. Linda Rosanio on behalf of Philly Food Rescue, Mike Troy of KTV Benefits, and Dr. Jerry Cleary of True North Pediatrics.
3: Attention business owners, are benefits costs rising? Are copays and deductibles increasing each year? Do you truly have a consultative partner you can trust to show you the most creative innovations in benefits? Make 2021 the year you meet Mike Troy of Kissler Tiffany Benefits. Let your company experience the power generated by Kissler Tiffany Benefits, a one digital company. Email Mike at ktbenefits.com or call him at 484-321-5868. Kistler Tiffany, the trusted consultative benefits partner for over 50 years. Email Mike at ktbenefits.com.
0: These are not typical or standard times, and the TAC Benefits Organization is not your typical or standard business firm. The company is owned and operated by Michael Cleary, and Michael and his team are not your standard check the box, put in your time, and go home kind of people. Here's the thing. A different approach creates better outcomes for TAC clients. In fact, as we face some incredible challenges in our world today, TAC has decided to do something incredibly different, the Hometown Heroes Program for recognition of people doing little things to make a big difference. Keep doing what you do best every day because the folks at TAC want to celebrate you.
7: Voices of Faith celebrate a real bright spot in our archdiocese. Mother of Mercy House in Kensington, inspired by Pope Francis's call to take the church to the frontiers and to move beyond our comfort zones. The ministry began with a simple desire to be the presence of Christ and his church. Many families they serve live in deep poverty. The homeless and addicted are at their doorstep. Father Leah Murphy and team work daily to meet people where they are in their lives. They feed the hungry, talk and pray with those who seek comfort and celebrate Mass as a community. They share the love and mercy of God with all. In 2021, Mercy Children's Academy, a highly specialized, family centric pre-K program, will launch to serve the most vulnerable children in their neighborhood. They welcome your prayers and support in this effort. In a world full of noise, one beautiful thing remains constant. God's love. It's powerful and lives at Mother of Mercy House. To learn more, volunteer, or make a donation Please visit them online at motherofmercyhouse.org. That's motherofmercyhouse.org. Uh,
5: Sister Anna, I love the fact that you 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 uh, you you share the word charism with us, and I was. I was thinking maybe we could dig in a little further with that, Sister Marie. Would you mind picking that up a little bit and kind of give us give us some insight on the
8: depth of that? Yes, I'd be delighted to do that because sometimes certain words like charism can seem very theological to people, and they they're mysterious and they can't feel a part of that. But what we understand as charism is truly a special gift that the Spirit gave to our founder that served a need of the time. And that was in 1849 in the Alsace area, German-occupied France, hmm. and it attracted others. And what's beautiful about our charism that makes others feel such a part of it is that it's simple. In fact, we talked about uh, Blessed Alphonse Maria Eppinger in this way, the greatness of a simple life. That's what we refer to when we talk about her, because she was a just a simple, faith-filled woman. And the way we have named our charism is that through her simple life, the redeeming love of God flowed out to others and and gave them hope and healing. And that is what we continue today. It's the sisters, our, it's our partners in mission. It's the, our Redeemer Associates, our young volunteers. We have a Redeemer Ministry Corps volunteer program where young people come and actually live with us and volunteer in our, within uh, the ministries of the health system or outside of the, the health system. And just doing that, being a presence to others, using their professional skills at times or if they don't have any particular profession, but being a source of hope and healing. Um, and that stems right back again to our founder... Blessed Alphonse Maria,
5: and I love the concept of celebrating the simple life mm-hmm. because oftentimes we're we're so excited about the big fat football player or the the, um, the you know the, the headlines that something is written about in the New York Times. I love the concept of the simple life. I know yes. you're going to get a little annoyed with me, Sister huh. Emery, but it'll be fun no. to no. watch this response. Uh-huh. So when you and I ran into each other after Mass last week, mm-hmm. I asked you if you were to write a book, what would what might the title be? And I thought you had a couple really stimulating thoughts, and I'd like our listening audience to hear about that just for a moment.
8: Okay, surely. Oh, I think I had said to you there would be a few books I'd like to write, yeah, well, but I yeah. think the one that is um, outstanding, it's really based on the Good Samaritan Gospel in Luke. And the story where um, the the lawyer, not a lawyer as we know it, but someone skilled in uh, Jewish law and the the Torah, comes to Jesus and um, and wants to know how he can um, gain eternal life. And Jesus says, "You know what's in the law." And and so he he says, "Yes, you know to to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself." And Jesus bounces it back. And then the lawyer then poses the question, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes into that very beautiful story of the Good Samaritan, which we all know. Um, I think the title of my book would be not, and who is my neighbor, but who is not my neighbor? And we can look at our neighbor as the people that we like, the people in our circle, the people in our families, but people that we don't especially like people that we feel are different than us, people that think differently than us, people that are in other countries, people that are from difficult—different political parties. The person in front of me with a need, the person across the world with a need, is my neighbor, and more than neighbor, perhaps, I would like to say, is my brother or sister.
5: I love it. I think that captures the essence of what we're trying to do with this particular program, Voices of Faith, you know? Who is my neighbor? Well, who isn't my neighbor? And Sister Anna, um, we're going to be celebrating um, uh, Catholic Sisters Week soon. Mm-hmm. And can you give our listening audience a little bit of um, insight into maybe how you might celebrate that? Or, you know, is that a, we all have birthdays, you know, mm-hmm. we all ha- we all celebrate uh, Christmas and let's say Easter, but wow, what a special week. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about um, Catholic Sisters Week, please.
6: Yes, thank you. I believe it's um, the National Catholic um, sisters week which began not too long ago this recognizing and celebrating religious life here in the united states and it's interesting in the past couple of years we've been blessed to have a group of college students with us um, doing a week of service so we've done a special project together creative project and had a meal together and a time to share our lives and stories with young people so this year certainly with the pandemic we have to be a little more creative um, than that and we love to to share our stories, um, like anyone does, and, and people love to hear stories, so we always hope with our marketing and communications director to be able to share stuff through our social media to share stories of, of the sisters or share a little bit of our lives, um, so we like to Many organizations have social media outlets. It's a way to connect with people. So we hope to sh- share our lives that way.
5: Well, it's interesting, too, because just my visit these past couple of times with Sister Anne-Marie, you know, I'm understanding the, the fascinating dynamics of being uh, a sister, you know, not everybody is just in a uh, you know a, a, a classroom setting with ninety two kids in a class. That was my experience mm-hmm. at St. William's, grade school in Philadelphia back in the day. I'm dating myself, but like just all the diversity. Can you talk a little bit, Sister Anne-Marie, about the? Uh, the artwork that's done around here or maybe the 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 name of the store is curious to me and it's i think the audience will find
8: that interesting yes sure we have a wonderful frame shop that's headed up by our sister linda arico and it's named the second to none framery n-u-n and sister linda does framing of all different types of art pieces and things that have to do with material not just prints or or originals and uh and it's not just that she's there with a frame shop. People come into that frame shop and talk with her, share things that are on their heart. So again, we see, well, how does the, the ministry of healing operate in a frame shop? And um, I would say <laughs> people leave feeling good about how Sister has framed her, their, um, their loved portraits or whatever it might be, but also have a sense of being healed because they've been heard and listened to.
5: Yeah, it's 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 stunning to me. Uh, can you also talk about how the uh, uh, the good sisters
8: here serve single moms uh, with the uh, uh, dueling center? I'd love to tell that story about the Druding Center. So the Druding uh, family had a factory long ago that part of their benefits to their employees was to have a small hospital, community hospital, and our German sisters worked there. So we're going back 60, 70, probably 80 years at this point At one point, that hospital became a nursing home, and in the 1980s, we did a needs assessment uh, to see what was a real critical need of materially poor people in Philadelphia, and what that study showed was transitional housing for homeless mothers was what the greatest need was. So we transitioned... The nursing home, where our sisters had cared for persons for, for decades, um, into transitional housing through the the, the very uh, great generosity of the Druding family, because they gave the sisters the building, and then the sisters, in turn, allowed the health system to take that on as a ministry, of course, with our backing and support and involvement of the planning. So, in that—in uh, Druding Center, at this moment, we have 30 apartments for families, and we have a, a daycare, and the point is to break the circle, the cycle of homelessness. Our moms have um, uh, social workers that work with them. We have uh, teachers that are providing daycare for the children. Uh, we have all kinds of services. I I could not do it a justice um, to just name how comprehensive the care is, and the and the concern and the follow-up after women are with us. And that could be from, um, 18 months, uh, 12 to 18 months until they obtain their own housing. So yeah. that's the goal. It's so
5: cool because there's another example of celebrating the simple life. Yes. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it, it really is a beautiful thing. Um, sister Anna, just to come back to you for a moment, we're, we've got maybe three, four minutes to wrap sure. up here. Um, and um, just looking for anything that we haven't covered thus far that you'd like our listening audience to hear about in your journey.
6: Wow! Thank you. Um, that's wide open. Yeah. But I have to say, my experience of being in religious life has really expanded my personal understanding and experience of God. Um, that you know, we come with our 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 perceptions or understandings, and we grow in that. And I think being supported by a community of faith just deepens my understanding of God. And it's experienced the love of the others that have helped me experience the love of God um, way beyond, you know, what I could comprehend when I first came.
5: It's funny, isn't it? It's like what my grandmom used to say to me, hey, Jimmy, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the message that I'm hearing from you. Like when we hang around folks that, Mm -hmm. you know, discuss important things like our faith filled journey, Mm -hmm. I think we get educated around the right, Right, material, And, Sister Hannah, I'm going to ask Emery, I'm going to ask you to bring us home. Is there anything that you'd like to, to to leave our listening audience with? And, you know, it won't be our final shot because I believe you and I will be talking in the future about a lot of material. But mm-hmm. just any other insights you want to kind of share with, uh, with our listeners?
8: Yes. Uh, when you invited us to consider a story. I just had a flashback of long ago when I was in nursing. I was an LPN and doing home nursing when I first entered the congregation. But I had to visit an older woman. I had never seen her before. She had never seen me before. She was blind, and my the purpose of my visit was really to get her to fill in some forms. And I remember um, meeting her and then taking these papers and wanting to read through the details of the forms so that she would understand everything and she could not read them herself. And at one point, she just, she took my hand and she pushed it aside and pushed the papers aside. And she said, can't I just sign yes? So I was looking for a name. You know, I needed to have her sign on the dotted line. And she said, can I just sign yes? And I remember in that moment thinking, She doesn't know me. She trusts me. And this is a way that God asks of us to trust that God is there for us, will be there for us. We might not have all the answers in front of us. Well,
5: it's interesting because every every month the archbishop says to us, sister, look, this is all about trust and hope. There's only one question you have to answer, Jimmy Brown. Do you, who is Jesus Christ? If you say he's the son of God... The rest of it falls into place. I think that's the power of your story.
8: So the woman, I was asking her to sign this paper, just put her name on this line. I would guide her hand, et cetera. And then she pushed my hand away and pushed the paper away. And she said, can't I just say yes? And that is, I think, what we try to do every day in our humanness. You know, we make mistakes. We, we get up again. But for the person that has absolute trust in God, which is a real grace, there is really nothing to worry about. And so... We walk in faith. We walk this Lenten journey in faith, and we'll walk the Easter journey in faith, and um, we just, we walk like that letter, end it, together, and that's about the only way we can do it.
5: So, my
3: book, Joe Kraus, will be, uh, can I just say, yeah. This is Voices of Faith on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Back in a moment.
0: Now, an inspirational message from Dan Selecki of Givnish
1: Funeral Homes. My boss drove a luxury car every day, and it was my duty to greet him and open the gates as I worked as a watchman in his villa. But he never responded back to my greetings. One day, he saw me opening the garbage bags outside of the villa looking for leftover food. But as usual, he never even looked at me. The very next day, I saw a paper bag at the same place, but it was clean and the food inside was well covered. It was fresh, as if someone had just purchased it. I didn't bother to ask where it came from, I just took the bag and I was so happy about it. Every day I found this paper bag at the same place with fresh vegetables and all that we needed for home. This became my daily routine. I was eating and sharing this food with my wife and children. One day there was a big commotion at the villa and I was told that my boss had died. I didn't get any food that day nor the second, third, or fourth day. It went on like this for weeks, and I found it difficult to provide food for my family. So I decided to ask the wife of my boss for a raise in my salary, or that I would have to quit my job. She was shocked and asked why. I told her the entire story of the bag of groceries and how it had become my daily provisions. It was then that I suddenly realized that I had stopped seeing the paper bag immediately after the death of my boss. I guess I never thought a person who never responded to my greetings could be so generous. I then told my boss's wife I just realized that her husband had been providing the meals for me. I'll stay on as your watchman, and I'm happy to provide my services. From that day onward, I started to receive the bag full of food again, but this time his son was bringing it to my house and giving it to me by hand. But whenever I thanked him, he never replied, just like his father. One day I told him thank you in a very loud voice. He replied back to me, please do not be offended when I do not reply because I have a hearing problem, just like my dad. What can we learn from this modern day parable? We have been wrong so many times judging others without knowing the true story behind their actions. Be kind and courteous when dealing with others for everyone is fighting a hard battle. Be careful, not everything is about you. Before you assume, there is this thing called asking. Don't jump to conclusions. It may cause you more harm at the end of the day. Many of our problems are caused by how we process what happens around us. Don't judge a situation you have never been in. Be humble enough to learn. Let's change the way we feel about ourselves and others. There are always two sides to every story. So today I want to leave you with this simple prayer. Loving Father... Open my heart to areas of my life that need to change so that I may carry out your will for me. Inspire me to live my faith in ways that are dynamic and engaging, striving to continuously learn. Help me to realize that I have a role to play in making our faith the perfect place for imperfect people trying to walk with you. Oh, and P.S., thank you for my ability to hear. As always, stay safe, my friends, and may God bless you all.
3: And a great message from Dan Selecki, a great inspirational message. Well done, uh, Dan. Let's turn now to Jimmy Brown's one-on-one conversation with Archbishop Nelson Perez. I am here with Archbishop uh, uh,
5: Nelson uh, Perez and excited to be here. I want to just jump right in, uh, Archbishop. Um, I love the messaging that I'm seeing that Lent is more than a season. It's a journey. Can you talk a little bit about the journey aspect? I
4: love the recognition that you bring to that dialogue. Well, absolutely. It is a journey. that You know, the Christian people are always on a journey, right? And throughout the year, there are moments that are highlighted as particular, um, you would say, powerful moments in that journey, like life is, right? That yeah, we yeah. have life and we have powerful moments in life. And Lent is a particular moment in which we once again revisit the very mystery that is the foundation of our faith, right. uh, the death and the resurrection of Christ, you know, and what prepares for that. Uh, if you look at, at what were the what was the very origin of Lent, like where did it come from? Lent was a, a in a sense, a 40day retreat that was originally designed yeah. to help people prepare for their Easter sacraments to be baptized, wow. All right. So the the catechumens would be given this incredible time. They would become the elect, they call it, the elect. And and, uh, elected to celebrate the Easter sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist to be initiated into the Christian life. Lent was like the last part of this journey in which they would then really, through prayer and struggle and the classic um, practices of Lent, you know, uh prayer, fasting, almsgiving, yeah, yeah, yeah. generosity, they would rid themselves mm-hmm. of that which was not of God, right, right and then and and it's a process of conversion, right? It was ridding themselves uh, and transforming their lives at all levels of their living to be engaged in Christ. but and one of the things that I love about the the instruction
5: that you've been giving us. Is the the concept of joy inside all that? Like, Without a
4: doubt, yeah. Because because th- this was a joyful journey, right? It was a joyful journey because they were being inserted into the very mystery right. of, of of Christ into his 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 death, his resurrection. This was about changing their lives for the better. Right. Uh, and so for us who are already baptized, right, this is a time of journey in our lives in which we prepare to renew our baptismal promises, which we will do at the Easter Vigil. And we will do on Easter Sunday, right? Right. So we're already baptized, but this is a time for us to to reinvigorate our Christian life, our Christian journey. Yeah. And what I love about the messaging that you've been sharing with us all through this program
5: is the concept that our faith is about joy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like I focus too much on the sacrifice. Oh, mm-hmm. the, the work, this, that, these, those. Mm-hmm. The door that you've opened for me is Jimmy. Celebrate mm-hmm. for the love of Pete. Absolutely, talk without a, a about doubt.
4: That. Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting because um, as we as we sit here today in the middle of what turned out to be a pretty pretty interesting winter, right? You oh. know, snow here, snow today, snow tomorrow, and pretty mm-hmm. interesting winter. As this begin as we begin to pull out and, and go into spring, mm-hmm. people have a certain joy about that, right? But you know what the word Lent means? Mm-hmm. It's an old English word that actually means springtime. Wow. And and what and and what do we do in spring? We kind of like open up the windows, right? Let yeah. that fresh air in. Yeah. We clean up. We clean up our gardens yeah, 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 because we want to plant new seed that will bring new life. Mm-hmm. And there is the source of its joy. You know, springtime, everybody will say now, I can't wait till the spring comes, <laughs> right? Especially when you're, when you're digging yourself out of snow, especially this year. Um, hey, Archbishop, I have
5: to ask you to just tease our audience a little bit about some new hires, Mrs. Santiago and um, Matthew Davis, because spring makes me think of youth. Enjoy and, mm-hmm. and your focus on and
4: Eunice, yeah,
5: yeah, yes, and your focus on the youth in our community and serving them in a in a special way.
4: Well, that is certainly for me a, a great pastoral priority. Our young people, our young adults, and so uh, recently in the last couple of months, we've created after a, a, a period of study with a task force that gave me recommendations uh, two offices, two parallel offices. Right, right. Each one has their own lane. Uh, Marisali Santiago is the new director of uh, Ministry with Youth. And Matt Davis uh, is the new director of Ministry with Young Adults. So we're really excited. Uh, These guys, both of them, have hit the ground running. Uh, Eventually, they will hire associate directors when the time is right, Mm -hmm. uh, because we want to certainly invigorate our youth and young adult uh, here in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And so I'm thrilled to have them here. And I know they're roaming around and meeting with people and meeting with each other and meeting with uh, priests and pastors and stuff. And that's really exciting.
5: Yeah, I want to close our segment with a, with a, with a reflection from, uh, from Matthew. For I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty and you gave me drink. For Lent personally, this is an opportunity for, for me to see the face of Christ mm-hmm. in various people in the community. I know you're a big advocate of Treating others with respect, and regardless of who you meet on the street, absolutely, there are winner. Talk just a moment about
4: that. That well, that Matthew. That, that Matthew twenty five, you know, it actually becomes the criteria of. I hate to use the word, but judgment, <laughs> right? Right. So it, it's it's the Lord's word, not mine, right? So that you and I will be measured up against the measuring stick of that gospel, yeah. and, and and what does it talk about that? That Jesus unites Himself in a particular way with those in need, and it mentions, you know, the the sick and the infirm, the, the poor, the downtrodden, the prisoner. He says something really radical. He says, when you do something for one of them, you did it for me. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Powerful. And sometimes I think some of us who have practiced the faith for a really long time forget that piece of the puzzle, and it's a beautiful piece. It's of the a puzzle. beautiful piece of the puzzle because guess, guess what? What somebody does for me and for you, they also do it for Christ.
3: Amen. Another great conversation, Jimmy, with Archbishop Nelson Perez as we come out of that conversation. A reminder for the listening audience at the very, very end of the show, we'll hear from Archbishop Perez. He will talk about and explain briefly the rice bowl. Um, Archbishop Perez, can you
5: talk a little bit about the rice bowl and kind of uh, just— uh, give our listening audience a little bit of guidance around the value of what the rice bowl is all about. It's not just sticking a dollar in a bowl. It's more about what we talked about
4: our, our, you know, serving others. It's serving, the, serving those in need. You know, the rice bowl is one of the signature events of Catholic Relief Services. CRS, hmm. it's called, right? CRS is the Char- international charitable arm of the bishops of the United States. They are in every country. I have encountered them in many countries, mm. right? Uh, most recently in Gaza. Wow. You know, they're all over the place. <laughs> these these uh, CRS workers uh, are in the toughest areas of the world. And rice bowl is one of their signature opportunities for people during Lent to alms give, right? One yeah. of the three Lenten practices uh, to you know, to fill that famous little rice bowl that is then used to support the work of CRS around the world. and the world that the work that they do is fascinating. they are they are not only there day in and day out in rough areas of the world, serving the most vulnerable and the most poor, but they are also present at moments of catastrophes, yeah, right They're yeah. right there frontline. Right there next to the Red Cross, actually, you know? Well, it's funny, you know, people know that the Marines are
5: all about their courage. Me, personally, mm-hmm. I'm thinking the rice ball operation
4: is the epitome of courage in Christ. And if people could support Rice Bowl and CRS, that was a great gift for the church and for people in need.
3: That's going to do it for this edition of Voices of Faith here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of all of the voices that joined us uh, during this program and all of the listeners from around the Delaware Valley, I'm Joe Kraus. Believe in hope, everyone. See you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this special edition of Voices of Faith in collaboration with the Catholic Business Leaders of the Delaware Valley and the Archbishop of Philadelphia. We salute the Philadelphia Boys Choir and say thank you to you, our listening audience. A Jacob Media JP Brown Communications production. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the
1: views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.